Okay, good morning, gentlemen. Good to have you all here this morning. Uh, this morning we have a special guest speaker. Um, some of you, of course, know him. Others uh, may not be too familiar with him. I think he, as we drove up here together, he said the last time he was here was, oh, maybe five, six years ago. But he's uh, back with us. We're always glad to have him here. He's worked with us in the Baltimore church now for mm, decades. Um, that's not to say that he's a, an older guy, although he is, he is getting up there in years. He's got a lot of experience, got a lot of wisdom, got a great heart for people, and he's got a great message that he's going to share with us this morning. So please welcome Pastor Sturge Gorham. Wow. Hey, guys. Good morning. Men, 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 I like to hear that. I just like to hear that. Yep. Is this, seems like a lot of reverb on this, Cody, or whoever's back there. Cody's gone. He's with the girls. Cody's with the girls. Men. All right, I want Pastor Doug to come, just for one second, as an illustration. Come on up here. All right, we're going we're gonna to talk about the chant, men. We're going to talk about men. Manhood. Okay? Manhood. What is a man? Now, let me ask you. Take a look here. Who is more manly? Right answer, Jeff. Somebody said it both. Both. Right? Who is. Yeah. Right? Who is more manly? Yeah. Right? Okay, thank you. That's all I needed you for. So, why don't we open in a word of prayer? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we know that the, the ultimate man, the, the, the truest man, was Jesus Christ. The man, the man of all men. Um, Lord, if we want to find out what a man is, that's really all that we have to do is look at Christ, look at him, and um, that's what we want to do right now in prayer. We just want to look to you, Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, the, the, the center of our lives, Lord, our, our only provision, our example for manhood. Lord, we pray for this message that it would speak to our hearts and penetrate and Release us into the image of Christ. Amen. Okay, anybody have a Bible here? All right, most of you guys are playing basketball, so you don't have time to go back. Okay, let's turn to um, Luke 2. I'm going to read a, a few scriptures, so Luke chapter 2. Let me ask you a question. It's a pretty raw question. But I'm going to ask it anyway, because we're all what? Men. Anybody know how old you have to be to produce a child? Twelve. Twelve, thirteen years old. You know what a bar mitzvah is? Right? It's, it's the Jewish celebration of what? Manhood. Twelve years old. There's no such thing in the Bible as a teenager. Sorry, guys. You're not teenagers. You're men. Anybody here under 12? That's all right if you are. It's all right. You'll be 12 soon enough. But if you're 12 years old or older, you're a man. Okay? You're old enough to have children. That's pretty scary. 
That's pretty scary. All right? And in case you're not sure, if you're a guy or a girl, just check your plumbing. Okay? That's all you got to do. That's it. Forget about what anybody says. Check the plumbing. You're a guy. All right. You're a guy. So we just settled that, right? Okay? No question? Good. All right. All right. Luke 2, verse 40. I'm reading from the ESV. Speaking of Jesus, the child grew, became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. When the feast was ended as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. When they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him after three days. That's interesting. After three days, they found him. Kind of reminds me of another story, right? After three days, they found Jesus. And he wasn't in the tomb anymore. After three days, they found him. Where did they find him? In the temple. And it says he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Twelve-year-old. It doesn't say he was talking. It doesn't say he was giving his opinion. It says he was sitting in the temple And he was listening to the teachers, and he was asking them questions. That's what we're doing here this weekend, guys. This is a very, this is a very rare thing, what we're doing here this weekend. This is rare among young men. This is very rare. But you're doing exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. You're sitting among teachers, and you're, listening, and then you're asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. He said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? You know where we are right now? We're in our father's house. What are we doing? We're about our father's business. We're in our father's house. We're about our father's business. And the last verse, verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and man. Now turn to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Is not arrogant or rude. Don't you love being around people that are rude? Mm-mm. Boasters. How about this? It does not insist on its own way. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is God's definition of manhood. It's what a man is. You want to know what a man is? That's that's a man. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. My toy, my bike, my candy. 
Mine. Mine, 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 mine. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. Then what does it say? I reasoned like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned a child. Hmm. Maybe if I scream loud enough in the supermarket, I'll get what I want. Maybe if I fall on the floor and have a fit, maybe my parents will give me what I want. I reason like a child. Maybe if I lie good enough, I won't get punished. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, and I reasoned like a child. Do you know that there's 36-year-old children still living at home with mommy and daddy, and they think like a child? They speak like a child, and they reason like a child. They play their video games. They go from job to job, job to job, and mommy and daddy let them stay at home. And it's my video game, and it's my car, and it's my sandwich, and it's my time, and it's my life. And don't you dare cross me on it. Don't you dare challenge me on it, because I don't want to grow up. But manhood, man, it is not in how big and how strong you are. It's character. It's right here. It's character. It's attitude. It's being responsible for my own actions. It's being responsible for my own actions, right? Not blaming, not excusing myself. Hey, it was me. Okay, it was me. That's manhood. Manhood manhood takes ownership. Let's uh, turn to one more, Ephesians chapter 4. So what are, we just read 1 Corinthians 13, but what are some characteristics of being a man? Hey, don't you want to be treated like a young man? How many of you here want to be treated like a child? How many of you like being nagged by your mother to pick up your underwear? Pick up your socks. Pick up your shoes. Pick up your room. Why didn't you take the trash out? Great way to get rid of that. Do it. Just do it. Take responsibility. Take the trash out. Do the dishes. Clean up your room. You want to be treated like a man? Then act like a man. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, it says, Paul said, simply act like men and be strong. You want to be treated like a man? Act like a man. Because guess what? Someday you're going to get married. And you don't want your wife to be mommy. A lot of guys look for a woman that's going to be their mom. Honey, 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 did you see my shirt, honey? Sorry, honey. You know, it's like, really, do you want to marry someone that's going to be your mother? I don't think a girl is looking for a guy like that. I really don't. I think girls are looking for a guy that exhibits 1 Corinthians 13. That's what they're looking for. You know, somebody once said the most romantic thing you can do for a woman is to lay down your life for her. The most romantic thing you can do for a girl, for a woman, 
that you love is to lay your life down for her. That's manhood. Jesus Christ, I love this verse in Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? And gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her by the washing of water, by the word of God. Hey, you know what the world needs? You know what this country needs? This country needs men. It doesn't need babies. It doesn't need whiners and criers and complainers. It needs men who love like Jesus Christ loved. Who love like Jesus Christ loved. I'm not talking about Doug Wombalt's big, strong. I'm not saying that's great. But I'm talking about you. Just the way you are. You're a man. You are a man of God. And that's why God could say to Gideon, O thou what? Mighty man of valor. A man has godly associations. He that walketh with wise men shall be what? Wise. You want to mature as a man? Get around men. Get around wise men. When I was, I just kind of give you a little testimony, right? So I grew up without a dad. No dad in my life. My dad died when my mom was pregnant with me. So I grew up without a dad. My mom was sick a lot, and I was a freewheeler. As a teenager, I'm 12, 13, 14 years old, I'm on the streets and looking for love in all the wrong places. Into my music, that was my identity. Very insecure around girls, but liked them. Oh, yeah. And then, and then I, I, I went to this church up in Maine. And I visited at one time, and I got saved at 15 years old. I had hair down to here. I was a hippie. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was a hippie. The whole thing, man. The 70s, right? 75, 76. And I was not a man. I was a little boy. Very insecure little boy looking for love. Looking for an identity. And I found the house of God. I found the house of God and it changed my life. And I found a man of God. I found a pastor, a man of God who became my spiritual father. And I started hanging around people like that. I'm telling you guys, we were made for this. We were made for this. We were made for this. I'm going to read in Ephesians 4. In verse 11, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, shepherds. You know what? You need a pastor. You need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. He gave shepherds, pastors, for what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. This is how I become Grow in my manhood as a Christian. Number one, 1 Corinthians 13, but I, I get into a place where I have a pastor and I'm equipped to minister for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Have any, has anybody here never heard of that terminology, body of Christ? Anybody here for the first time you've never heard? It means the church. All right? The church, the body of Christ, the church. I need a church. You know how I grew up to become a man? I had a church. Hey, I was in a church as a teenager, 16, 17, 18 years old. You know what I started doing? I started growing. I started maturing. 
I, I started putting aside childish things. Putting aside the childish things. Putting it aside. Laying it aside. And what happened? I began to attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. I like that. To mature manhood. You know how that happened? I was in a church, and I was active, and I got involved. I got involved. And then it says in verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves. What are the waves? My feelings. Tossed to and fro. Tossed to and fro. I remember girlfriends. She loves me. She loves me. The next day, she hates me. I remember a girl. I liked the girl so much. And she... She, uh, what do you say? She just dissed me, dissed me. What? Jilted me. Yeah. You know, and I was so, I was so depressed. Hey, listen, this is the wind. This is the wind. Man, she's awful pretty. I hope she likes me. She don't even, she don't even give you a time of day. Oh, the wind. And I was so depressed that I went out and I, and I took this drug and I ended up in the hospital. Are you going to let the winds of your feelings blow you around? Just blow you to and fro? How I feel? I don't, right? Relationships? The winds. Not tossed to and fro. No longer children. No longer children. Tossed to and fro. To and fro. Oh, I don't feel like it. I don't feel it. Hey, you know what being a man is? I do what I don't feel like doing. Try it sometime. Try doing what you don't feel like doing. Try laying your life down when you don't feel like laying your life down. Try being selfless when you don't feel. Try building up somebody when you feel like tearing them down. Do the opposite of what you feel. That's manhood. When you begin to do what you don't feel like doing, you're maturing. You're becoming mature. I don't feel like picking up my room. Well, pick up your room anyway. Just do it. What are you going to do when you're 36 years old? Are you still going to be living with mommy and daddy? Playing video games? Come on! I don't want my wife treating me like I'm her child. I'm her husband. We've been married for 40 years. I'm her covering. I'm a covering for my wife, not the other way around. I'm her protector. That's part of being a man. You cover your wife. You protect her. Not only physically, but spiritually, emotionally. When she's having a bad day, she's going through her period or whatever, you don't react. Don't say, what the hell's wrong with her? It's like, no. She don't need that. She needs 1 Corinthians 13. She needs 1 Corinthians 13. But if I'm not receiving it from myself, how can I give it? Right? And like Pastor Love always says, 1 Corinthians 13 starts with him. Just, just replace the word love with Jesus. Jesus suffers long. Jesus is kind. Jesus is patient. Jesus doesn't react. Jesus bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things in my life. And when I do that, when I receive in 1 John 4, 
We love because he first loved us. And in closing, let's just read this here. uh, Just closing in Ephesians 4. That we be no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. What's that mean? Who's teaching me? Who is teaching me? That doctrine is teaching. Where am I getting my learning from? Low cinema? The internet? CNN? Where am I learning? Where am I learning about life? Where's my doctrine coming from? Where's it coming from? This is part of being a man. Who's teaching me? If God's not teaching me, the world's going to teach me. It's going to teach me how to think about women, how to think about myself, how to think about my parents. Again, that's why we're here. But if that's not happening, we're going to be carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in vain schemes. Fifteen million babies murdered in the womb since Roe versus Wade. How did they get away with it? How in God's name did they get away with it? Fifteen million babies murdered by this. Human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. That's how they get away with it. Do you discern it? Do you discern the times? Do you discern what's going on or do you just go along with it? Well, everybody does it. Ah, oh, forget, you know, hey, whatever. It's just, it's just a fetus. It's just, no. No. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. There it is. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, even Christ. What am I growing up into? I'm growing up into Christ. And we heard it last night. He's it. He's the, he's the ultimate man. He is the ultimate man. I'm growing up into Christ. I might not change. I might still be 115 pounds. But you know what? That's, that's not manhood. That's not manhood. Manhood is based upon the man, Jesus Christ. The man, Jesus Christ. And we, we, when we get to know him, we will grow up into him. Let's pray. Father, thank you We are not perfect. We're, we're anything but perfect. And we have, each one of us in this room has a lot of growing to do. A lot of growing, including me. And there's some ways in my life where I'm still a child. But Lord, I'm so thankful that you see us as complete in Christ. You see us as men. You treat us as young men. And Lord, we thank you that we're in an environment where we can grow in grace and knowledge of, of, the, of the ultimate man, the ultimate man that did the ultimate sacrifice. Greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Lord Jesus, thank you that we're learning about you this weekend. Thank you for Real manhood. Real manhood, Lord. Father, don't let the world define to us what a man is. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for allowing that to happen. 
And Lord, I pray that you would raise up great men of God from this company, this remnant. And you already have, Lord. When I look out among this group of young men, I see incredible men of God. Not kids, not teenagers. I see men of God. I see men of God. Servants. Lord, thank you that this is the book that defines who we are. Your book defines us. 1 Corinthians 13 defines manhood. Help us to really think about it, to ponder it today. And maybe there's a young man here that's never considered that Jesus Christ was a man. He was a man full of grace, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth toward you today. Maybe you're here and you've never considered that. And you're very insecure like I was and very confused Maybe right now is your time to receive him as your savior. It's in your heart, in your own way. Just talk to him and say this, Jesus, you see me, you know me, you know what I've been through, you know what I'm thinking, you know who I am. Lord, thank you that you hung on a cross. Courageous courageous, courageously hung on a cross, sacrificially bled and died for my sins. I want you, Lord Jesus, I'm tired of being a child. I'm tired of being a selfish little kid. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a child of God, a man of God. Save me, Lord Jesus. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I trust in you this morning. And for the rest of us, oh, how this world needs men. Oh, how this country needs men who are real men. Thank you, Lord. You have begun that work in us, and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sturge. Good, good, good word. How many enjoyed that? Isn't that good? It's, uh, in our culture today, it seems so strange that the 12-year-olds could be men. Um, we look at them as kids. We treat them as kids. And yet, in the, in the economy of the Bible, when, when you were 12, that's, that's when they counted you. Did you know that they, you didn't even matter <laughs> in the Old Testament? You didn't, even, you didn't even exist while you were a child. Which is why, by the way, when the disciples found Jesus and he was holding a child, they were, so, they were shocked, they were astonished, because the only thing that children existed for was to drive out the childishness in them as soon as possible. So for Jesus to be picking up little children and then turning to the disciples and saying to them, except you become like this little child, you can in no way enter into the kingdom. I mean, what was he talking about? Well, he meant they're losers. (laughs) That's what he meant. They don't exist. They have no value. But until you see yourself like one of these little losers, 
you can't even be a candidate for the kingdom. Because everyone knew, everyone knew, you drive out the childishness of a child as soon as possible because you want to become a person. You want an identity. You want to be a man. And again, that happened in Israel, 12 years of age. Today, we would just, in our culture, we would say, they're just kids. I mean, for you and I, the challenge today more than ever before, is to grow up and to become men. To become men. And, and Pastor Sturge beautifully described how that can happen. So praise God for that word. Anybody have any, any questions, any comments, something that they'd like to add or to that, what, what he shared this morning? It was great. Yes, Chris. I mean, our family or our wife, right? So besides that, how do I lay down my, wife, lay down my life? Okay, so any, anybody ever heard of Jim Elliott? When he was dating Elizabeth Elliott and he would go over to her parents' house, he would, he would just work. He would do, wash dishes. He would do chores. He, he would just serve her family while he was still dating her. He just, that's, that was his nature. He was just a servant. And that, to me, the older I get, the longer I'm married, the more I enjoy just doing the dishes, cleaning, just doing whatever I can do to make my wife's life easier. I really do. I really enjoy it. But it took a while. Believe me. It's taken 40 years to, 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 to grow up in a lot of areas. I'm telling you. But that's just practical. And you know where it starts? It starts with your, at, at home. It starts with your mom. How do you treat your mom? You lay down your life for your mom? Or, or is it, Mom, where's my socks? Mom, where's my hat? Mom, where's this? Mom, where's that? Mom, when's dinner going to be ready? How about, Mom, what can I do to help you? Yeah. Wow, that was What he's well, like what we're what we're discussing right now, isn't just in marriage, and don't think that this is something that you can flip on when you're married and you put a ring on. This is not something where we. I'm not married. I don't. I don't. I have the experience, but I just know for a fact that like, I'm not waiting until I'm married to act like a man in this way towards girls and towards people, men and women, like, like with sing, being single. Like, we literally are practicing it. And I'm actually not talking about in dating. We are practicing as single guys or guys, like, I know a couple of you are, like, are in, like, dating girls. Whether, like, either way, we are practicing being men before marriage. It is impossible, and you're kidding yourself, and you're being a child if you think that you can turn that on all of a sudden when you put a ring on your finger. We, like, we have to, like, develop I'm like learning like the importance now in life of like developing like how do I look at a girl like not like literally with my eyes but how do I view what do I think what what is a woman and like who am I looking for and and like Pastor Serge said I'm learning that it like when you are like with wise people like like you learn and you gain wisdom and that is like we are built we're built to be taught we're built to be discipled and like I thought that was so key when you said that because you know what like if we aren't following somebody, we, we think we're just like following nothing and nobody. But we're always, it's like two kingdoms. You're either following one of them. And that's very important. And I was thinking like, I've, one of the things I've been learning from like people that I'm following, I have like a few people, like a list on, I can count on one finger, on one hand. But, um, and it's this, like this has been my, my, like something I've been gathering. It's Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor there is profit. But merely talk leads only to poverty. And it's like, what are we doing? Are we just talking about it? Do we come once, like twice a year to this in camp life? Or maybe once a week to a Bible study if you go? Like, are we just talking about this and wrapping it up and enjoying this? Or are we living it? 
And if we don't, it leads to poverty. And it's important. Yeah. Uh, can we get the microphone to Pastor Gary? It's not just you, your mothers that the girls look at, how you treat. But how do you treat your sisters? Mm-hmm. Because that sister is going to be a sister in the family. How you treat your sisters, how you treat your mother, and how are you around children? Because if you're going to have children someday, and that's most of the women are thinking that, how are you around children? I know my daughter, when she's dating and... Uh, and she's, you probably all know her, so. But uh, a couple of the guys that she was dating end up at my son's house and staying with my son and daughter-in-law and their three or four children. And she wants to see how they act, how that person acts around the kids because that's very important. So it's not just the wives, not just your mothers, but all the women in your family. How do you treat them under different circumstances, when things aren't going so well, when the kid is pulling on your hair, dressing you, or do you let them dress you up as a girl sitting there and let them put the wig on you and everything else, and do you have fun with them? Or are you kicking them away? Girls want to know that. So it's all the women in your family. How do you treat them? Girls are watching. I'll tell you. I know. Yes. Uh... Norm in the back, Marty, and Norm in the back. Norm in the back. Yeah, Norm and in then, the back. then over here to the left, or my left. First, uh, Pastor Sturge, that was great. Thank you very much. Great verses. Um, when you were reading 1 Corinthians 13, something I never noticed before, but um, it says as a child, first you speak, then you understand, then you think. Right? Is that the, how the which one was it? Yeah. I spoke, and then I understood, then I thought. As a man, it's the opposite. First you think, and then you run it through Scripture. Then you try to get understanding. Then you speak. So a child will always you know, just give their opinion. Whatever comes into their thoughts, it goes out. And then it, Jesus did the same thing. He was in the temple. It says he listened, and then he asked. So he first it was about thinking and hearing, and then it was asking, getting wisdom from others. And then eventually his wisdom is going to come out, because then they were amazed at how he spoke. So do it in that order. Don't, we have to be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to speak. And um, it says, let your words on earth be few. As teenagers, it's like, you know, quiet and listen. And go to find somebody who's mature and ask them a question. You're going to bless them. <laughs> they got knowledge they'd love to share. They got experience they'd love to share. But we get, eh, it's no guy, I won't carry him. But, oh, their opinions, you know, constant words, millions of words. So let's. Quiet your mouths and listen to somebody that has experience. And then you'll, the people will be interested in what you have to say then. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's very good. Yeah, um, just, just want to just uh, summarize that again because that's such a great point. First um, Corinthians 13, the child, he, he speaks first. Speaks first, understands secondly, and then thinks thirdly. And the adult... Uh, reverses that order. The adult thinks first, understands, and then speaks. That's great. That's a great, great way to remember that. Because, you know, how many times have we been asked this question by a parent or someone else? What were you thinking? And what, what's our answer? I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. Obviously, because of the disastrous consequences. What were you thinking? I wasn't. But I mean, that, that, that's the challenge for young men. Do some serious thinking. Do some thinking. And then when you do speak, you're going to have something to say, and people are going to want to listen to it. Did you have something right over here? Go ahead. Yeah, um, awesome message, Pastor Sturge. That was great. Um, for you young guys, I mean, for you guys like, like men, know that, like, this wasn't just, just for you guys. Like, all of us Bible college students, Pastor Love, like, everyone, this is for everyone. Um, and I, I just want you guys to be like, oh, they're, like, talking to us. Like, these guys have it. Like, we don't. 
but we know who does. His name's Jesus. I'm thinking about Hebrews 12, 2. It says, looking to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. And for us to first be men and even, even like, include friends in our lives, like, like, what does the word say? Like, 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 though none go with me, still I will follow. Like, if Christ isn't our value, if he's not our all in all, even if nobody's around, then we have no right to add anyone to that. We have no right to include a wife into our lives because we can't be their covering if Christ is not our covering. We really have to just let Jesus, like, have us, love us. Mm. And even if your best friend just kind of, like, leaves and says, I'm ghosting you. (laughs) And say, so that's fine, because Christ said that he will never leave me or forsake me. Mm. So when you want to come back, my vertical with Jesus is already golden, and I'm fine. Mm. This is the mark of what it means to be a man. And I'm going to tell you right now that I don't have it. Like, we're always learning. Mm. Always learning. But Amen. just keep reading your Bible. Like, keep letting Jesus, like, just, just let Jesus be, be, be with you. And the more that we let Jesus be with us, people are going to be drawn to that. And they're going to be drawn to that love and that, and that fruit that Christ is sharing with us because then we're going to be able to like, pour it out. Beautiful. Thank you. you know, Donald. All right. Uh, I, how, many, how many are brought up in a Christian home? And don't be embarrassed if you're not because I wasn't. So if, you're, if you are not brought up in a Christian home, uh, you're probably, some of this stuff is pretty foreign. But if you're brought up in a Christian home, you're probably thinking, I'm so familiar with this. But I wasn't brought up in a Christian home, so I'm not familiar with this. I came in the church, I was a hunter. Hunter-gatherer. You know? And the pastor of the church, you know, like he's talking to you, like he's talking to me. And he's saying, these are your sisters. Those older women, a couple of years older than me, those are like my mom. And those older women, you honor them because they're like your grandmother. And I took that to heart as a young guy because I realized I was dangerous. A young man is dangerous. Look at me when I'm talking. You are dangerous. You are a dangerous person. The worst possible thing that can happen to a female is you outside of the will of God. Mm. <laughs> I'm just saying. Wow. And you know what the worst thing that happened to you? That. Because if you have any guts, you'll spend the rest of your life slaving to try to make it right. Mm. So since you're not in that boat right yet, Take some words of wisdom. Look at them like your sister. Why do I get angry when I see guys being inappropriate, speaking inappropriately? Because you're talking to my daughter, my sister, my mother, and I get offended. I get upset. I think violent thoughts when I see young men mistreating young women. I get violent thoughts. I have to actually walk it back because I'm thinking... That guy needs to get cracked in the job. So a girl that you think is wonderful, what do you think when you think your wonderful girl is being inappropriately treated by a guy that you don't know? Exactly what I'm thinking when I think you're being inappropriate with a young lady that I know. And if that's not your attitude, you need to get your stuff together. Right? So if this is not like your Christian home... And you can be, you can get familiar with it. Because you've known all these girls your whole life. You've been in kindergarten with the same girl that you graduated with. Probably. And it's easy to be familiar. Like, oh, yeah, that doesn't matter. it does matter. It matters. I love the fact that Sturge can say, look, I'm here, he's there, we're men. You know what men do? They find a line... They put their foot on it, and they don't move. And if you die on that line, you died a man. I love that. I love that. Fear God. 
fear no man, right? Die doing it right. Beautiful. Uh, Donald. And then, and then over here. Hey, Donald, just before you share, um, I just want to kind of throw a couple of thoughts in here. As, as I'm listening to these different, different thoughts, uh, they're, they're so good. Um, I, think, I think so many young men here, you know, the mentality is if I can just, you know, if I can get a girl. <laughs> Here's the thinking. If I can get a girl, I mean, I feel like God is putting my life together. I feel like I'm learning what it means to trust him. But if I can get a girl, I'll be complete. Okay? Without one, I'm not a real man. Without one, I'm not complete. I'm not whole. But what you said was very insightful. Because what you said was, you've got to let God complete you. And when God completes you and makes you the man you ought to be, then what does he do? Then he brings her into your life, not to complete you, because he's done that already, but to complement what he's completed. See the, the difference between the two? One guy, is he's going to spend all of his time, all of his energy, all of his emotional resources saying, where is she? You know? I'm going to go to Spring Rally because I'm looking for her. I'm going to go in Summer Harvest because I'm looking for her. I'm going to go to Youth Group because I'm looking for her. I'm going to go to Camp Life. Still haven't found her. She's got to be there. Where else should I go? <laughs> go anywhere. Go anywhere. But listen, you're chasing the wind because she's not supposed to be the one that completes you. You've got to let God do that. And you got to take as much time as he says you need until that happens. And then when he brings her, wow. It's like now she's complimenting what God has completed. Donald, go ahead. Uh, Pastor Serge, thank you uh, for that. Uh, that hit home. Like for 25 years, you know, living in Massachusetts, I was that. I was a child. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm so encouraged seeing some Bible college students. And when I was going through, you know, that season of my life, uh, I, I didn't care about the missionary. I didn't care about the pastorship. None of that. I, I just was learning to be a man. And, like, for now, like, I don't know if some seniors here thinking about life and where, what's next, you know. And then I know you're from Baltimore and you hear it all the time about, Bible college, Bible college, but it's so important because you, you're laying that foundation down of manhood. Mm. And, and, you know, yes, we learn scripture, and yes, but it's practical things you're learning. You know, I met one thing I always did, and this is just for me when I was in class, not only in Pastor Shabelli's class, but I kept quiet because, like, <laughs> these men, they know what manhood is. Who am I? And, and still, I don't even have it all together. Like, I'm still learning. But, uh, yeah, that was one thing. I was like, I didn't know how to love people, and I didn't know how, you know, even to love a woman, you know. And, and like, this is what God has taught me. So, again, we're not preaching to you. And, like, I know. I know what it is to be young, and, you know, you have feelings, emotions, and all that. But life is so much bigger. And, and, and just, like, really focus on what these words were said. Yeah, Pastor, sir, thank you for that, honestly. Appreciate it. Beautiful. All right. All right. So, yeah, thank you for that message, Pastor Gary. Sturge. Sturge. Or I don't know how Gary. Doesn't matter. Okay. So yeah. A little guy. Oh yeah. He said yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I think Marty, you were saying like about like. These are like the most important years of our life right now because if we make the wrong decision, then we can spend a, like our whole life trying to reverse that choice. So like 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, this is like, I guess this is some of the biggest decisions we can make for our futures. So, yeah, just wanted to say good that. Good thought. Very good thought. There we go. Got a couple of you. 
All right, so um, what you had just said about relationships, it's funny because we were, like, actually just talking about that last night about how, like, before you have a relationship with a girl, first you need to build your firm foundation on God, and then you can build a relationship together with the other person and actually grow together because, like, as young men, we tend to see a pretty girl. Maybe she's Christian, too, and we're, like, just jump into that relationship, like, oh, I'm just going to go into this. I feel this, so maybe God's putting this in me. But a lot of times it's just our vision and our, like, testosterone and hormones. <laughs> but, like, so the, the thing that we need to do first is build our foundation on God, and then things will be added to it. And we have to be happy by ourselves with God, actually, not by ourselves. But, like, happy first with God, and then whoever comes later is adding to that happiness. Yeah. It's not, oh, I need someone to be happy. It's I'm happy, and someone else is making me happier. And build your relationship. When you have a relationship, you don't just, like, say, okay, this is my relationship. I'm fine with it. You have to grow together in God by, like, reading the Bible together, praying together, maybe talking about a message together. It really changes the way that you see relationships when you look at it through God's eyes and saying, like, oh, this isn't just a phase of me dating a girl for, like, a month or two. It's me planning on building the rest of my life with someone. And that's what's really important because if you're just like dating someone for dating someone, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. What are you looking for there? Yeah. And, if, and honestly, the only thing you would be looking for is things that you shouldn't be looking for in that relationship, which is um, definitely, yeah. That's, a, that, that's such a good thought. Good thought. Um, again, you know, the, the, there are some people who believe that, that young people, young men that, you know, just date all the time, that they're actually preparing for divorce in their future. You say, how so? Because they date and they break up. They date and they break up. They date and they break up. And then they just get married. And then, of course, their soul is so conditioned to getting out of a relationship when it doesn't go well that then now they're married, but they can't just break up. Now they have to be divorced. So maybe, you know, too much dating is not good for the soul because... In other words, it's almost, you could say it this way, but I got to find out, you know, I got to find out who the right person is. Why don't you focus more on being the right person? Instead of spending all your time and energy and resources looking for the right person, spend it with God so that he can develop you so that you can be the right person. And then, and many here could tell you, you can trust God. He will bring the right person into your life. Go ahead. So I just want to hit on a quick point. Like, I know I can't speak for everybody because everyone's like home situation is different, or whether, like Marty said, like whether you were brought up in a Christian family or not. But some of you guys, like, and I know a lot of us, like, we have fathers who are amazing men of God, and so we want to learn how to be a man. I mean, like for me personally, growing up with my dad, like, my dad is a man. Like, I look at my father, and like he's a definition of a man to me. You know. And I would want to emulate that. I want to be that when I grow up and even build upon that and expand on that, right? So I want to learn how to treat a woman. Like, I'm going to watch how my dad treats my mom, Mm -hmm. you know? I'm going to learn from that, and I'm going to treat my mom the same way. Um, And then for those of you guys, like, you know, some some other home situations are tough or you're not brought up in a Christian home, you just go to church with your friends, look at your youth pastors, look look at your... The older guys around you, I mean, we have so many other resources to see what a man is or how they treat their wives or other women around them. Like, that's, that's, how, you, that's how you can learn, too. That's so much of, like, a resource you use is by your eyes and, like, listening before you speak and watching these people and how they treat women. I mean, like, we have so many even just in our, our, our youth ministry. Like, Chris is a man. Pastor Doug's a man. Like, Pastor Love's a man. All these pastors around us are men. Watch, watch how they treat their, their wives. I mean, that's just an, a great example to, to learn and just be there and seeing that. So, That's great. So um, I just wanted to, to say one thing. So here's, here's that illustration. Pastor stand up. Fantastic message. Okay. What makes him a man? What makes me a man is a word, and it's called trustworthy. Mm -hmm. 
What makes me trustworthy? What makes Pastor Sturge? Why I can count on Pastor Sturge. You know why? Yes. Because he counts on Christ and that's his backup. But if he says something, it's going to be. Right? I can have full faith in him as a man. He's trustworthy. Right? And I can have confidence in him. Right? We have young ladies doesn't matter what where you are uh, there's always the attraction right mm-hmm. if you don't have that attraction see pastor love because <laughs> you got a problem for counseling counseling yeah <laughs> serious check your plum and see him uh, i'm not so, checking anybody's plum <laughs> but i want you to just think about that what what he's saying is what if you look up, and tonight you go and you look up the word trustworthy, and you go down, and what does it mean to be trustworthy? And it will tell, and that is what a man, because why? Because Christ is the ultimate trustworthy. Amen. Right? Yeah. And, and, and again, I love the part to do what I don't want to do. Yeah. Mm. Right? Mm. Uh, in my house, we go to church, and we go to church because we love God, and we go to church when we don't want to go to church. Mm-hmm. Amen. We go to church when we don't feel like going to church. Mm. Why? Because we are men, yep. and we are trustworthy. Amen. Beautiful. Amen. It uh, just occurred to me, because it, it's, it's awesome that Pastor Serge preached the entire time he didn't say anything about the things that we think about as guys, constantly. The world has overplayed the intimate part of relationship. Mm-hmm. It's so exaggerated, yep. so overemphasized that people are... There's a new word in, in the world, perseverating. We, we, we concentrate so heavily on things that we cannot have. We, we just concentrate on it. And the world is telling you that you need to be intimate at your age, you, in, in all ages. But if you talk to people who are, have been married and in godly relationships, you'll find out the truth of the matter, whether it doesn't matter where you go, is that it's, it's a very small part. Physical intimacy is a very small part of what marriage is. There's so much more, Right? And if you can imagine if your wife was sick, if you got sick and you couldn't have that, would your life be over? No. It wouldn't be over if, if you have a right relationship. But people have been programmed to think that they need that. So then they seek it. And, and then, you know, like you say, oh, I found a Christian girl. That's why I'm jumping at that because... Well, at least if something stupid happened, I'm, I'm with a Christian. You know, I don't want to be married to a non-Christian, so I'm jumping in that direction. Or maybe she has the wherewithal to say no. You are the initiator. You are the initiator. And you're the one who has to initiate godly contact. Godly contact is high. I heard, like Pastor was talking last night in that message, he was like, you know, you think just because it's not sexual, you're still getting physical. And you think that's not wrong. If it's not wrong, do you want to walk around holding my hand all day? No. If you don't get nothing out of touching the female, then then why is it that you're not walking around holding hands with Liam all day? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's the truth. So if you have a godly relationship with the ladies around you, when they look, when they look at people and say, well, you know, I really want a man. It, you know, I'm looking for, for a man, a person, an actual human being who's not, you know, like every other fish swimming in the river. And they're going to look for people who treat them properly. And I, I just, you know, everyone I grew up with as a kid was a hunter, and they were brutal hunters. I was not so much a hunter. I was a hunter, but not that like that. And the world is conditioning you to think that that's what you need 
That's what you need. And, and it's not what you need. You need a relationship that's grounded in God. So that if something has happened, that you're in love with the soul, the spirit, that person, and not the physical frame that carries it. Because if that's what you're marrying, if that's what you're looking for, the trophy wife, you're going to be sorely disappointed. I mean, we all, I have a beautiful wife. Doug has a beautiful wife. I mean, we have these things. But what if, what if they aren't? Then you better have something that goes beyond the physical attraction. And don't be duped by the world thinking that, that you got to go, you got to be a marathon runner. It's not that thing. It is not that thing. It's less than 3% of your relationship. Less than 3%. And you might, you know, as a single guy, you've ne- maybe you haven't been there and you think, oh, that can't be true. It is absolutely true. And study the statistics. It's less than 3%. doesn't mean anything. It's the least part of your relationship. It's a benefit for married people only. But if that's all you're thinking about, you'll all starve to death. We'll give Pastor Sturge the last word here. Okay, so this is good. Isn't this good? This is awesome. This is awesome. So I just want to tell you, this is, this is great. Why did God give us testosterone? Just for sex? No. You know why young men go and fight in wars, 18-year-olds, 17, 18-year-olds? God gave them testosterone to fight. He gave them testosterone to fight. You know why else God gave us testosterone? To work hard. To work hard. To go out and play hard. Basketball, whatever sports you do. Use it for God. I'm serious. If you got a problem with it, use it for God. Use it for God. God will take care of you, believe me. But use it for God, and you'll be fine. Amen. That's good. All right. Great thoughts, great discussion, great portions. Thank you all so much.